Gene Kesselman, interview on book, Letters from Grandpa, A Primer for Life, in three, two, one. And today, ladies and gentlemen, is March the 10th, 2022. In just a moment, you're going to meet a most amazing man, ladies and gentlemen. I've met him and I've come to know him. His name is Gene Kesselman. And here's his story about a book that we're going to be talking about in just a few moments and proud to do it. Letters from Grandpa, A Primer for Life. This is a book about letters that he wrote to his grandchildren and that they wrote back to him. But a little bio on our special guest, Gene Kesselman. He was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey, graduating from Wequahic High School back in 1939. During World War II, he served in the Air Force as an aerial navigator on a B-24 bomber and later at the headquarters of Pacific Air Command at Fort McKinley, Manila, earning the rank of first lieutenant and upon returning from the war, he resumed his education and graduated from Rutgers University School of Business with a Bachelor of Science in Marketing. For many years, he taught business and marketing at Rutgers, then became a successful independent sales rep before eventually going into business with his son, Bill. At the age of 80, Gene began writing emails and letters to his grandchildren, Scott, Stephen, and soon Adam. Over the next 15 years, to use of a small email connected to his family and enabled his grandchildren not only to see their grandfather as a friend, but also to better understand themselves and the world around them in the process. His book is the complete collection of these letters. And just to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, what people are saying about this book, here's a quote. At 95, Gene's life is not over. It's just nearing the time when it's ready to be handed off, to be understood and appreciated by the next generation. That, a quote from the Star Ledger. And the Daily Record of Morris County said his book is carefully crafted at one per month and averaging five to ten per year. That is, the letters, they covered various topics, including Gene's take on America 80 years ago, vignettes on wartime, and his more intimate points of views on self-respect, self-confidence, disappointment, terrorism, and even pictures. That, a quote from the Daily Record. With that, it's a privilege and honor to welcome the author of this book. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Gene Kesselman, Letters from Grandpa, A Primer for Life. Gene, thank you for spending time with us today. How are you? I'm fine. Well, thank you for joining us. You know, it's so amazing. And when you talk about this book and the importance of the letters that you wrote and received back from your grandchildren, Stephen and Scott, you're born back on April 16th, 1921. Talk a little bit about your early childhood. And we're going to also get into a conversation today about your likes and so many of the other things. Your life is just filled with so many interesting stories. As you reach what age right now, Gene? I'll be 101 in one month. Well, God bless you, my friend. Tell us about your early childhood. Tell us about what was it like back then? We're talking to a gentleman here with well over 100 years well, under his belt. we lived in neighborhoods. We, didn't, we weren't as mobile in those days. <clears throat> I'm speaking this way because of a stroke I had about a month ago. You're doing fine, yes. So, uh, excuse the, I'll try to be as uh, clear as I can. Uh, we lived in neighborhoods, and they were mostly complete in the sense that everything you wanted was in that one neighborhood. Furniture, drugs, uh, woman's store, men's store, uh, we lived in neighborhoods in the city. There wasn't one place where we could... In fact, we had... Nobody had cars in the uh, 20s when I was 
a, a child. And in the 30s, uh, we, got, we got refrigerators that became electrified. In the 20s, we used ice. Shows you how primitive, primitive uh, United States was at that time. Uh, in the 30s, when I was a teenager, things got better. They got better quickly. We had dial tones and, uh, and rotary uh, dialing and the telephone, things like that. America progresses through the years. And 20 years is a long time in the life of America. Yes. And 80 years is certainly a long time. Sure is, Gene. Again, Gene Kesselman, our special guest here as we continue to talk about his life and the book, Letters from Grandpa, a book that really, ladies and gentlemen, goes right to the heart and talks about many of his experiences and so many things about life, and we're going to get into that. But I got to talk about your late wife, Myra. You're married back on December the 28th, 1943. God bless the both of you. You were married well over 60 years. Is that correct? 68 years. 68 years. That's incredible. Can I ask you, Gene, for all those people listening out there, what do you think the secret to marriage is in this world today and the great love that you have for your wife, Myra? A lady once asked me what I would tell her 10-year-old child. The one thing I would tell her for the rest of her life, and I said there are two words, be kind. Be kind to everybody. It sets up a nice relationship with anyone you're, you're with. Just be kind and compromise. People, as they grow older, change. Someone who may have been outgoing when they were young will, for whatever reason, not uh, develop into someone who was... Uh, not friendly and not, not backward and becomes introverted. This happens. That's why, uh, in my belief, there were 30 and 40 year divorces. People grow old differently and the person you're married to may not be the same person that you married. So you have to have what? You said kindness. You have to have understanding. But what else? Just give our listeners a little more. What's the secret? Because I myself, I'm not proud to say this. I was married a number of times. I never had children. That's sad in my own way. But this is about you, not me. Well, what else? Remember, as other people change, <coughs> you change also. Your idea of an ideal spouse may not be the woman you married. So therefore, it should be beholden of everyone to be careful and, and, and not marry on impulse or on one thing they enjoy with spouse. The, the other person must be well-rounded in what you expect. If you marry because she's a, she can sing beautifully, that's not a good reason. Yes. It has to be uh, deeper than that. You have to have a real deep feeling and a kindness that's the best word I can think of. If you're kind, you're a lovely person. Gene Kesselman, he's with us today, ladies and gentlemen. A privilege and honor to talk with a man full of wisdom, and he has a lot of things to say in this short, but I hope, Gene, very much comprehensive interview. Back in high school days, and I have a quote. I read the book from front to back, and it says in the book during high school, this is the quote that's next to your yearbook uh, picture. 
And I quote, the mind to conceive, the heart to understand, and the hand to execute, end of quote. Tell us how that came about. I have no idea, really. <laughs> it was made up by a committee, and they wrote something about every student, and there were 400 students. So you can imagine the, the effort they had to go through. But apparently each one was analyzed for what they appear to be to other people. And they just tried to put on paper what they felt the other person was like in a quick and easy quotation. Gene, your life goes on from high school, and there's a big change in your life as the world changed during this period in time. You go ahead and move into the uh, United States Air Force, and you spend a lot of time there. You become an officer in the United States Air Force, and proud to say for all of our aviation fans out there, you were a navigator on one of the most amazing I mean, airplanes, and I've been in one and I've flown in one, the B-24, the Liberator. Talk a little bit about your Air Force career, because I have questions later in this interview that talk about motivation and how to get the job done, but how'd you get into the Air Force, Gene? What happened? I enlisted. I didn't want to be drafted and placed in just any type of group, particularly one which I was not, I didn't like or didn't want. I wanted to serve in a place that, not, not that I enjoyed, but that I wanted to be. And I felt that the Air Force uh, would be a good uh, uh, way to spend the time and, and, and do my best for, for our country. Sure. What's well, interesting, Gene, the book goes into great detail. I don't want to give every one of the stories away because I want people to read the book. And again, Gene Kesselman's our very special guest. The book entitled Letters from Grandpa, A Primer for Life. Available at Amazon. And as Gene just said, available at Amazon, wherever good books are sold, and they sure are there. But Gene, I got to go into this a little more in your Air Force career. You're stationed here in the States. You're going back to New Mexico. And this particular air base, now today, I think it's called Holloman Air Force Base. Tell us about the time there. And you're in charge of what? Up to like 1,200 individual soldiers? Holloman uh, uh, Air Force Base was a bombing. At least I, when I went there, it was a, bomb, a bomber training base. In other words, training for combat, uh, training under perhaps wartime conditions. We made bombing runs. We set up uh, uh, bombing targets uh, that we had to navigate to. We had to use all the skills that we were trained before and uh, making it uh, somewhat easier and more familiar when the real thing happened. Of course, you didn't always go on bombing runs. Uh, there were other chores that had to be done too. Uh, such as uh, uh, checking out an area to be attacked, uh, checking the defenses, sending in photographic planes, and so forth. We did all of that, and uh, it was quite challenging. Amazing, Gene. And then I just want to ask you, just specifically about the airplane, the B-24, you're a navigator. Just give us, and I know a lot of people think they understand what a navigator does. Just tell us. This is the days before computers, so give us a quick take on 
What's the role of a navigator? What did you specifically do there? The role of a navigator was to direct the trip that we were making for a specific area. We didn't have all the navigational uh, aids that we have today. We have GPS. It wasn't available at that time. We navigated by radio waves, light waves, and uh, just pilotage, which is nothing more than looking at the ground and seeing uh, formations uh, of uh, the earth that were familiar to us. For instance, if there was a big river uh, available, yes. we could spot the river and we could uh, see its twists and turns and be able, up to a point, to identify where we were. Of course, you had to have clear weather for that. When it got uh, cloudy and so forth, it became much more difficult. Amazing story, Gene. I want to say this. Thank you for your service to the United States of America. What does that service to mean, mean to you to serve your country? Tell me. Well, it's a feeling that isn't something you think about all the time, but you feel that you're protected your way of life, your family, other friends, other families, and you contributed something to the continuation of this great experiment called the United States of America. Amazing. Well said. Thank you for your service. Off we go into the wild blue yonder, climbing high into the sun. Here they come, zooming to meet our thunder. Adam boys, give it the gun. Down we dive, spouting a flame from under. Off with one terrible roar. We live in fame, or go down in flame. Boy, nothing can stop the army air Gene, we got limited time today, I know, on your schedule, so I wanted to get right to it. So important to the listeners here are the lessons that are learned through these letters that you've written to your grandchildren. I want to start off on something and get you to take a quick take and respond. Learn from your mistakes. Happiness comes from within. Honest, be honest, be truthful, be cooperative, understanding, and helpful. Talk about the whole thing about learning from mistakes. This is something people need to hear. Well... <laughs> That's the way anybody becomes wise. You make mistakes. There are some people who repeat and repeat their mistakes their whole life. Never learn from them. Never learn why they were not successful in certain endeavors. You must constantly monitor your own behavior. Was it successful? Am I happy with the result? If not, you have to change your thinking, change your tactics, and change your personality if necessary. You want to be effective. The only way to be effective is to monitor what you do and modify your behavior accordingly. That's the way you gain experience. That's the way you gain wisdom. And that's the way people who are wise gain wisdom. There's a big difference between wisdom and being smart. 
Someone can be very smart, know a lot of things, and, and not be able to utilize them in, their, in the results they get. In other words, they don't know how to put their intelligence together for a profitable result. Interesting. You define it in the book, and I want the listeners to hear this, and I'm quoting, smart is knowing a lot of information, but wise is using the information. Continue on that theme. I think you've said a lot, though. Well, there's a joke. I'll tell about that. Which Being smart is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Being wise is knowing not to put it into fruit salad. <laughs> That's cute. I like that. You know, we're with here with Gene Kesselman, his book, Letters from Grandpa, and it's amazing that we're talking to a man who's lived more than a century. And Gene, I don't know, what's the secret of life here? Because I guess there's a lot of luck involved, but if you're not a planner, you ain't going to have any luck, I guess. But tell me, what's the secret of life from, to Gene Kesselman? I will some secrets. Uh, do the right thing. Now, you know what the right thing is. Don't eat bad foods. Don't abuse your body in any degree by not sleeping, by over-exercising, by doing things that are affected negatively. Uh, I would say, uh, the phrase I use is, be moderate, not moderate, but in all things. Stop it for a minute. No, that's okay, Gene. Keep going. Thank I mean, you. there's no there's no time limit on this part of it. You you think about that one, and we'll come back to that one. We'll All come right. back to that one. You also talk about something here that I think many people, including myself, I can learn something from Gene Kesselman. He says, "Listen, know when to listen and know when to talk." Tell us all about that. Well, there are people who like to listen who have nothing to say. And there are people who have too much to say. <clears throat> Be wary of someone who talks too much because he'll keep repeating and repeating himself. But the general rule I use is when a person talks to me for a few minutes, I get to know who he is, with what he says, and the words he uses, and his gestures, and so forth. You can get to know somebody. And, and decide whether you like him or don't like him. I can do that with most people, and most uh, and they reveal themselves. Uh, I think meeting someone new is just as almost as good as reading a book. Remember, everyone in the world is your superior, and that he knows something or she knows something that you don't know. Interesting. So, whatever they are, however they affect you, they know something you don't know, which may benefit you. You don't know. Well, Gene, it's well said. So, in other words, be a better listener than a talker. Right. Right. And that'll help you in life. You know, let's go to your personal life, and I find it very fascinating. You're interested in taking walks. You have a fascination with photography. Talk about why photography is important to you, because... I think that's a fascinating story. You were so much enamored, and probably the most amazing camera I think you had in those days was an Argus C3 camera. Tell us about photography in that camera. Well, I'm interested in people. I like people. I like to be with them. I like to talk to them. 
And I want to remember happy moments in my life, or really moments. I have. I like to remember scenes that I've seen. So that I always had a camera with me. I took a uh, hundred thousand, who knows how many pictures, but it's many, many thousand. They fill up uh, six, seven uh, uh, Rolodex files. They fill up a whole, the slides fill up a whole closet. I just photographed everything. That's and incredible. Yes, you photographed everything. I wanted to be able to remember, not that I ever looked at many of them again, but if I did, even if I went back a week or two later to relive something, pictures don't lie, and they remind you of times that you may have forgotten and should not forget. Absolutely. What a great what a great way to memorialize, I should say, everything in life, and in those days, Let's be honest, cameras like that were not cheap. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a cheap thing to go out and have film and develop. I, I, I in the book, I write a letter about photography. There's an awful lot in the book that is worthwhile. I talk about decisions, self-respect, self-confidence. I talk about truth. What is truth? I talk about uh, humor. Uh, there's a letter even on uh, boring moments, not boring moments, uh, when you have nothing to do, boring. Boredom. 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 There's a letter on boredom. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a letter on how do you tell someone to make the most of their life? Anybody. Uh, you can't say uh, work hard, everybody works hard. You can't say, uh, get a good job. What's a good job? If you want the answer, you'll have to read the book. Well, absolutely, Gene. We won't in this interview. If you want the answer, I'll give it. Well, absolutely. No, I'm just saying. We want people to encourage them to get your book, Letters from Grandpa, available on Amazon. Like we said, this is interesting. But let me mention this to the audience here. This is so interesting. You're full of so much information in our time today, and I want to make, make sure that people understand this. The simple pleasure, you say, of meeting someone new. That's something important to you. Tell us why that's important, because a lot of people today, and I'm saying this from my experience in 2022, hardly anybody, when they walk down the street, even looks them in the eye and says, hi. Your, your point, well, tell me about it. Most people are lonely. Even people who look like they're surrounded by others, they're lonely. And all of us have the same desires. We all want to be understood. We all want to be recognized. We all want to be admired. We all want to be listened to. We all want to be loved. We are alike in so many ways. If you want to be popular, it's very easy. Just recognize the other person. Talk to them. You'd be surprised how much uh, a phone call is appreciated. You can dial any one of millions of phones. You dial that person's phone. Be grateful for the attention that you get. And there's another reason you say, too. Make friends everywhere. Yeah. Because you never know when you might need them. I make friends everywhere. I go up to a counter. Forgetting what kind of a counter it is. There's someone behind it. Make them feel good. My son, grandson, wrote me a letter. In it, he says, Grandpa, 
You taught me one thing I'll never forget, how to make people like themselves. You'd be surprised how many people don't like who they are. True. Yeah. And that's, that's very important. You have to have self-respect. You have to appreciate who you are and what you do. You have to be honest and forthright with people. Yes. When you do that, you be a, there are people who don't like How about a person who perhaps may be excessively fat? They don't want to be fat, but they can't lose weight. Do you think that person likes himself? He hates himself for what he cannot do, and that is lose weight. Yes. Gene, you bring up something good in the book, and this is something I've always aspired to. A lot of people take me the wrong way, and a lot of the audience doesn't know who I am really, but this is about you, not me. And I think the importance of humor is so much in, lacking in this world. The way the world is today in 2022, or just in the recent past few years, there's lots of tension, there's war, there's people out there that are not doing well financially or what have you, and issues of, of their health. What's the importance of humor to Gene Kesselman? Well, humor is another way of looking at a situation. And it, it lets you look at it in a way that allows you to appreciate it. For instance, if you turn the house upside down and look at it, you'll think it looks funny. But it's still a house. You only look at it a different way. It can be twisted, it can be turned, but it's still a house. Yes. And the humor is another way of looking at a situation. One that may be embarrassing to you, think of it humorously and you laugh with the other people. Gene, from your own experience, you talk about this in your book in the letters. Never make excuses, just do it. Where'd you come up with that? Was that part of the military training? I was part of the military. When we were accused of some infraction at, at, uh, at navigation school, and we were accused the one who was usually one of our instructors, we were not allowed to say why we did or what. We just had to accept the responsibility for what we accused. And we had to say three words, no excuse, sir. That's all he wanted to hear. And he wanted it real loud. It wasn't loud enough, he'd make you shout it. No excuse, sir. So we learn to accept the responsibility and do better next time. Wow. Powerful stuff here. You also comment on boredom. You say it can be used as think time. <clears throat> we in America always feel that we have to be busy all the time. Why? You don't have to be busy. You don't have to watch television all day. You don't have to play cards all day. You don't have to do anything. Did you ever think of just sitting in a chair and thinking through your life, your problems, the current uh, situation at some event you were at? Just think. Imagine uh, having a president of the United States. That isn't allowed think time. There's always somebody at his door. There's always something he has to do. When he finishes, for instance, uh, discussing the foreign situation, he's got to discuss the conversation. He's always busy. That's why a president has so many advisors. 
He doesn't know it all, and he consults all of them. Think time is very important. It allows you to go over the day's events, the week's events, the month's events, your relationship with other people, uh, how you should treat them, someone who may have crossed you recently. Why did they do it? Uh, give them, give them uh, some thoughts. Think about anything, your life, your present situation, how you can improve it, a trip you're going to make. But think, just sit and think. Gene, a few more questions before the clock runs out here. And again, I appreciate your time. I just want to ask you this. With all your experience in 100 plus years, if you were sitting in front of the President of the United States, with all your experience about America, your military service, where are we going wrong? And what would you tell this president? What do we need to do to get back on track? What would be something you would tell him? Well, I would say go back to our beginning. Think of why they formed the United States. Uh, why they did it. And you, you always go back to basics. They hold your feet firmly to the fire, and from there you can branch out. Life is different now than it was then, and we have to modify our life. Uh, for instance, let's take the gun situation in America. You lived on the frontier. There was no policeman to call up 911. I have a burglar in the house. You had to protect yourself. That's why the, I think it's the Second uh, Amendment. But if it is. Today, we don't need guns. Does America need four, five hundred million guns? The more guns you have, the more killing. There are 30 million people. Uh, excuse me. There are three, almost 300 children killed every year. You don't hear about it. It's so common. Where there are guns, we don't need them. So that Second Amendment doesn't work. I'm very anxious about the gun situation. It's like automobiles. You have automobiles, 30,000, 40,000 people right. a year are killed <clears throat> by automobiles. Correct. So the point is, you, we're off. I mean, let me get you to say this, not me to say it for you. Do you think we're off that beaten path by a large amount as far as where this country is intended to be from its founding? I think so. Okay. The January 6th uh, attack on the Capitol would be unheard of 50 or 100 years ago. I don't know what people are dissatisfied with. Maybe they want to be given everything. You have to work for what you earn. Yes, sir. Nobody's going to give you a living. Uh, I don't know what these other people look for. Uh, well, Gene, here's a problem, too, in this country, and I want to get back to your life in the last few moments here of this interview and appreciate your time. Many people go to college. You yourself got into college late in life, but you proved yourself. You stayed with it. Rutgers University, Keene College, you were an instructor. I read all this. And what's your take on this? Nowadays, a lot of students are saying they can't or won't pay their student loans. God bless people like yourself. There's a lot of people out there that went to school, they worked an extra job, and they paid off their student loan. What's your take on what people think they should just be given this? What do you think? 
without well, having to pay for it. I, it's a difficult subject. Okay. Because many areas, if you live in California, you should be given a, a, an education in New York. Not everybody deserves to go to college. You're true. And not, uh, not everybody wants to go. They have other, uh, other abilities. Uh, we need uh, air conditioning uh, repairmen. We need electricians. We need mechanics. Not everybody is a college student. They like to work with their hands. As far as an ed education is concerned, I think it's much, much too expensive. I don't know how we can bring it down, but where a state or municipality or government organization uh, has the funds, they should establish local colleges. I think there are some. Uh, I think there are, uh, uh, what do you call them, municipal so forth. Uh, students who are qualified who go for a nominal sum, but the cost of education is ridiculous. I agree. And again, Gene, a few more time, a few more moments that is with you. Thank you again for spending the time today. I just got to ask you this: when you look back at your life here, what's the main thing you want people to get out of letters from Grandpa? What would be like the one main thing? Well, I say do everything in moderation. Don't, don't be a whole hog for any one cause. There are always variations of something. But I say do everything in moderation. Eat, sleep, uh, work. Do everything quietly. Secondly, do it for good reasons. And above all, be kind. The reason I stress that is, if you're a kind person, you're generally a good person. Well, Gene, this is an amazing tour here. I'm honored that I get to talk and listen, but do more listening than talking to a man who's now coming up on, on April 16th, 2022. Your age will be what? 101. Wow. That's amazing, my friend. I've had the honor of spending time with a broadcaster that you probably knew from time, you Downs, one of the famous broadcasters, lived down here just down the road in his senior years. And I spent a lot of time with you uh, Downs. And I had him on my programs uh, many, many times, and I learned something from him. And he always said this to me, and this is maybe a little off the cuff when you're talking about interviews. He said to me, you know, young man, he looked at me and he said, remember one thing. And I said, what's that, sir? And he goes, call me you. He said, remember, the microphone is always open. And why do I say that, Gene, is because a lot of times when you're on the air, we've had instances where we've had guests on there and one guest didn't realize the microphone was off and they said something off color. So the point is, but the point I'm making is you and he move on to that hundred year category. And I'm just totally amazed at that. Last question. And then I want to close the interview with some positivity, of course. Gene, this is interesting. You love mountains, but you never got to Nepal. Tell me about mountains. Why are mountains fascinating to you? There's a letter in the book uh, how I equate mountains with a life. Mountains are solid. They don't move. They retain their composure 
they don't go overboard on anything. They adapt to their to their uh, environment. Read the letter. It tells you how we can enjoy mountains for what they are. And they're solid. They remain year after year, century after century. And they're beautiful to watch. Beautiful story, Gene. What do you want to say to your grandchildren? Everything in moderation and be kind. And what else about love to them? But what do you have to say to them? Love. Yes. You love them dearly. Well, sure, I love them very much. Uh, do good. Do everything that you do. Do it for a real purpose. And be productive. Don't waste your time doing things that will not serve any purpose. And uh, work hard. And don't worry about things you can't change, right? right? You can go on and on. Thank you, Gene Kesselman. His book, Letters from Grandpa, a primer for life, available on Amazon, where the good books are sold. And I end this interview with this. This is said by others, and I've, after reading the book from front to back, I also want to add my two cents to this, and I quote, His curiosity is endless. He can never grow old. Keep moving, is what he says. The book, yes, lessons for life. And as we move on to the afterlife, if he doesn't get to do it in this life, I hope he gets to climb the biggest mountain in Nepal. Gene Kesselman, thank you for your time. It's an honor. Thank you.